Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone joining us online. My name is Pastor Patrick, and I am glad to be back. For those of, for those of you who do not know, I broke my leg, and um, man, that was an experience, but I'm so glad to be back here with you here, um, just here to minister, to bless you, to give you what the Lord has for you, and um, I'm happy for you. I'm happy what God is doing for you, what God is doing with you. I am so happy, and I'm so excited, and I'm not just saying that. I really mean that. I have a great anticipation for the year, for the summer, but also have a great anticipation for September 19th. As you know already, we're meeting again September 19th, Sunday at 11 a.m. I want you to be ready. I want you to be in expectation, and I do not want you to be afraid. I know many of you may be afraid or you may be concerned. This is not the time to be afraid. This is not the time to allow the spirit of fear to hold us back or to keep us from getting what God has given to us. One of the greatest reasons why many of us are stagnant sometimes or many of us do not receive God's blessings is that we are afraid. But this is not the time to be afraid. This is a time to march forward. And I'm looking forward to seeing you there September 19th. And I wanna encourage you to be there. Invite your friends, invite your family because God is on the move. Your pastor, Pastor Marie, his birthday just passed. Happy birthday again, Pastor. He's been praying. He's been seeking the Lord. I've been praying. The other pastors have been praying. And there's now being a buildup in the spirit that we're ready to release to you. So September 19th is that time. We're going to release it to you through the camera, but there's a greater anointing when we're face-to-face. There's a corporate anointing when we're face-to-face. Healing can take place. Miracles can take place. The prophetic word can be released. So much can happen when we're together in one place. So remember, September 19th, be there Sunday at 11 a.m. And if you need more information, you can always visit our website. Amen. But before we get into our word, we're going to have to take communion. The Lord Jesus Christ, before he died, he gave us an instruction to do. And it's called communion. It's a, it's a time where we celebrate the broken body and the blood of Jesus Christ. You know that it's through God's body that was sacrificed for us, that we're here today, that we're born again. And also because of the blood of Jesus, that our sins have been wiped away. God no longer remember our sins because of the blood of Jesus. That's right, you are now sinless. You're now guiltless. You are now holy. You're now pure. You're now clean because of the blood of Jesus. So what we're about to do is a good thing. And we got this instruction from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, and it reads as this. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Father, we're gonna take the, if you're at home, wherever you are, I want you to take a piece of bread, whatever it is, and we're gonna hold it up to the Lord, and we're, gonna give, we're gonna give God thanks for his broken body. Lord, thank you for the broken body of Jesus Christ. That body stood in our place. That body took those whipping, took that, took those whips, took the lashing, took the beating, took the torture, all for us. Where we, the thing that we should have received, Jesus received it for us, that we may be free, that we may become, that we may become children of God. Thank you so much for the broken body of Jesus Christ. We take and we eat in Jesus' name. Amen. And it continues in verse 25 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This cup represents the blood of Jesus Christ. It also signifies our redemption. It signifies that our sins have been wiped away and God no longer remembers our sins. It signifies that we are now guiltless. It signifies that we are now covered and protected. We're not 
free game anymore, amen? So I want you to take whatever you have that represents the blood of Jesus, Jesus, water, grape juice, whatever you have, and I want you to hold it up and begin to give God thanks for the blood of Jesus. And start by saying, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your precious blood. Thank you for the blood that was shed for me. Thank you for your blood that now covers me. Thank you for your blood that's now made me pure, that's made me, that's, that has now made me clean. Thank you for the blood that's wiped away every single sin that I've done. Thank you so much for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We take and we drink in Jesus' name. And it ends by saying this, for as often as you eat this bread, in verse, in verse 26, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So friends and family, we just proclaimed that Jesus had died for us. We're now reminding ourselves, we're now, we're now telling spiritual forces, we are now born again. We are now covered, we are now renewed. So I wanna encourage you to practice communion in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now let's get into this word for you. It's like, so on May 7th, I broke my leg. What happened is I went to my mother's house. I decided to, I woke up that morning and my mother was on my mind and she lives in Bedford-Stuyvesant. I'm in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And I said, you know what, mom? I, I said to myself, I'm gonna go, go surprise my mom. I'm gonna go there, say hello to her and I'm gonna help her whatever she needs help with and I'm gonna run to work. Bad idea, right? And, I'll and you'll see why. So I get to my mother's house, knock on the door. She said, who is this, me? She said, oh, what a nice surprise. I said, yeah, mom, I just came to see you, say hi to you, I love you, but I also wanna help you. Do you need help with anything? You need to move anything around the house? You need me to go to the store for you? What do you need help with? And she needed me to move some glass out of the basement and bring it to the front so they could throw it away. So I did all that, huge success. My mom was grateful, she was happy, and I said, mom, I wish I could stay, but I gotta go to work. So I leave her house, and it's now about 8.30 something, or 8.25, I think it is. So I decided I was gonna take the LIR to Locust Manor over there in Rochdale where the office is located. And I said, there's no way I'm gonna make it to the LIR by riding the city bike. I'm gonna to have to rent one of the scooters, the Rebel scooter that was on the street. And I um, got on that scooter and I'm like, it's gonna get me there on time. But the thing is that the scooter didn't start right away. I'm like, hey, something's wrong with it. I'm trying to start it. I got my helmet on, I'm trying to start it, it's not starting. And in doing that, I put my feet down. I'm like, what is going on with this thing? I'm pressing buttons, it's not working. Eventually, I started, but it startles me. It goes off, and as, as it's going, it's wobbling, and I lost control, and then it fell. And as it fell, my leg went down, and it landed on my leg. And um, now the scooter's on my leg, and I'm like, oh, man, I gotta get out of here. I'm in the middle of the street, I'm panicking, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. I finally snatched my leg out of it, and I'm trying to walk. And I got, and I, I could feel, I, really, I, I didn't really feel pain, when I started, when I when I tried to walk, but now until I look down, my my left foot is like this, but my right foot is like that, and I'm like, interesting. Okay, I, maybe I got a twisted ankle, you know. I'll just put some ice on it, go home, and just relax. And then I'm trying to move my leg, and I can't. And that's when I felt pain. I said, Oh my, my foot. And I said, Oh my goodness. And I fell back, and that was it. And then um, uh, somebody drove by, and he said, Listen, can you walk? I said, no, but if you could just carry me to my house, I'm gonna put some ice on, I'm good. She said, no, 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 no. If you can't walk, you need to go to the emergency room. And I was like, I do not wanna go to the emergency room because I know what happens when I go to the emergency room. I'm not coming home. I know that already. She said, you have to go. And I was like, no, okay. So eventually they called the paramedic, the paramedic come. Man, that ride was, was the most intense ride ever because you can imagine 
My leg is in pain. They got me on a stretcher. They tied my leg down, but I'm feeling every single pothole, every single manhole on the street. Even the small little bumps, I'm feeling them. And I'm like, my goodness, you know, but they, they, did, they did the best they could to tie my leg down. Eventually, we get to the hospital, we get to the emergency room, and as you know, I'm rushing. I'm like, listen, guys, I gotta go home. I gotta be at work. Listen, I just need to just patch my leg up and we get out of here. Yeah, hey, somebody's coming. Just wait a few minutes, they'll be here. That few minutes turned into a few hours. Now they're bringing me lunch. I'm like, well, I don't really need lunch because I'm leaving soon. Now you should eat some lunch. No, 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 listen. I just need somebody to look at my leg, patch it up, and let me go. Finally, so I, 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 I skip lunch. Finally, someone comes and he looks at me and said, he says to me, say, hey, how you doing? He looks at my leg and said, listen, by the looks of it, you broke your leg in two places. I said, no, it's not broken. He said, yeah, you, you broke your leg in two places. He said, if you can't move your foot, your leg is broken. And I was like, you sure? He said, I'm positive. He said, we're gonna, take, we're gonna do some x-rays, do some CAT scans. I said, cool, no problem. So we do some x-rays and CAT scans. Sure enough, he was right, I broke my leg in two places. So I'm like, great, listen, let me go to surgery and I can go home today. He said, you can do that. I said, great, let's get some surgery done. But as you know, me waiting for surgery turned into another few hours. And eventually the lady comes and said, listen, you didn't eat all day. Here's dinner. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I eat the dinner. Finally, the surgeon comes and I said, listen, I want to go home. Can I go home? Can you do my leg today? Yeah, sure, man. We're going to get you out of here. We're going to get your leg patched up. You're going to be great. He was actually a resident surgeon. I didn't know better. And he's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Um, eventually they come, they put a stent on my leg just to hold it in place. And they said, we're going to get you in surgery in a few minutes. A few minutes turned into another few hours. It's now dark outside. And I'm like, oh my God, I knew this was gonna happen. And then the guy comes back and says, listen, we're gonna push you in a room upstairs. We might have surgery tonight. Push me in a room upstairs. I'm in a room, I'm angry, I'm upset. I don't wanna talk to nobody. I have a bad attitude because I do not like to be stationary. I don't like to be stagnant. And then he finally comes back and says, listen, I'm sorry, there'll be no surgery today. Um, we're gonna have, you'll have surgery tomorrow morning. Another surgeon comes and tells me the truth and said, there's no surgery for the weekend, on the weekend, unless it's an emergency. You'll get surgery on Monday. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm gonna be here all throughout the weekend. While I'm there, I have a roommate. And this is where it gets interesting. My roommate um, has been shot for whatever reason, and he's upset because they didn't give him the pain medication in time. He's yelling, um, he's talking to the nurses. Eventually, him and I get to speaking. And he says, listen, man, you know, um, this is my life, this is what I've been through. He begins to go into all these supernatural experiences he's experiencing. And I'm just amazed. And then he says, you know, just watch this. He said to me, I just, I, I tried to go to church and talk to, him, talk to him about it, but they would cast me off and cast me out and say, oh, well, he has a demon or um, he, uh, he's demon possessed. They didn't really honor my experiences because the experiences he was having, he was able to, to, to transport he was able to see the spirit of death in different places. So they just, they said, took it as a bad thing. But he said to me, I wish, I wish I could speak to a pastor about my experience. And I looked at him and said, I'm a pastor. He said, yes? He said, he said really? I said, yes, I'm a pastor. And from there, we got to kick in, we got to talk in. I ministered to him, but he didn't want to give his life to Christ. That was okay. Eventually, he leaves the room, and I'm in a room by myself. I'm like, it's all good. I get another roommate, but then they tell me, listen, the roommate that they had had to leave, and they said, listen, we have to take you out this room. And now, this is Sunday night, I'm upset. I'm like, why are you taking me out this room? There's a woman coming to this room, and um, by hospital law or policy, men and women cannot share rooms together. You need to be with a man, or the woman needs to be with a woman. I said, great. So I'm bothered, because my room is really comfortable. I've, and I, I got a window, actually, in my room. 
I get to my next room and there, there's another, there's a young man there. He had the window this time, you know, but he's, he's cool. But when I get there, him and his friends are rapping on the phone 12 o'clock in the morning. Rapping, cursing, F this, F that. And I'm just sitting there, and then he says, hold on, hold on. He said, yo, man, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good. Uh, he got, we got the sheet um, in between us. He said, yo, I'm sorry about that, man. I said, listen, man, it's all good. All right, thanks, man. And they're just going back to rapping, rapping, rapping. Eventually, Monday morning comes, my beautiful wife, Pastor Fabian, comes, and she's there to minister to me. She prays for me. She brings me the food, the fruit, because I didn't, actually, I didn't eat any food. I only wanted fruits and vegetables because I did not want to go to the bath. I did not want to go to the bathroom because they said that I can't go to the bathroom, so somebody's gonna have to come clean me. I'm like, nobody's cleaning me, nobody's washing me. I don't care. I'm not going to the bathroom. So um, my wife comes and she prays for me. She leaves me, say, honey, I gotta go. I say, oh, you know, you know, she wanted to stay, you know, be with her boo, but she had to go back home to the kids. So she left. But when she left, the young man next to me is talking on the phone and says, listen, he said he's talking on the phone to a family member and says, yeah. There's a gentleman here with me. Um, his wife was praying for him, and what I decided to do was jump in on that prayer. And I overheard them speaking. So finally, when we got the phone, I said, yo, pray a thief. <laughs> he starts laughing. <laughs> and, like, uh, and then we, we just, from there, we just get the kick and he introduced himself and talking, having a good time. My wife comes back, and she prays for me again. And I said to him, yo, you want some prayer? He's like, yeah, of course. Pastor Fabian goes, goes over there and prays for him. But, but when she prays for him, after that, he said, I feel this intense heat going through my body. And then Fabian, Pastor Fabian begins to prophesy to him about his destiny, saying, you got a great calling in your life. God's called you. And he confirmed everything that she said to him. F Pastor Fabian goes home. The next day, um, um, Pastor Fabian comes back, of course. But the next day, Pastor Reese comes back. He prays for me. And, the guy, and I'm like, yo, you want some prayer? He said, of course. So Pastor Reese goes in and prays and says, hey, man, what happened to you? He said, well, I've been shot. You know, this is what happened. I had a dispute in the street, and it, it went south, you know. So Pastor Reese was clear. He said, listen, if you would have died, you would have gone to hell. You know how Pastor Reese is. He was strong. He was straight to the point with the young man. He said, do you want to give your life to Christ today? The young man says, yes. And then also his girlfriend was there with him. And um, Pastor Reese ended up bringing this young man to the Lord. And um, from there, I, to this day, I actually stay in contact with him. Well, eventually I get my surgery. I go home. And I'm here now. I'm here today. From I got the surgery May 11th, and I stayed home and healed. And now I'm here today. But um, while I was there, after those two testimonies, I said, "That's amazing, Lord. That is amazing." I one I came to the conclusion that God did not break my leg. I don't believe the Lord did that, but I do believe the Lord used the circumstances to help these two young men. One. Who, did, who may not have given his life to the Lord, but a seed was sown into him, and the second young man gave his life to the Lord. But how can God do something like that? Or why can God do something like that? Simply, God can do that because God is sovereign. And today, the title of my message today is The Sovereignty of God. Friends, family, God is sovereign. That word sovereign simply means this. God has full power, full authority. He's the final power. He's the actual final authority. He's the first and the last. That word sovereignty means God has full dominion and full control over all the universe, including mankind. Sovereign or sovereignty does not mean that God is in control of everything or God is controlling things. It simply means that God is in charge. There is a belief amongst many Christians and even in the world that God is in control of everything and everything is happening because he wants it to happen or he says it has to happen. There's even some people, if their life is not going well, they'll say, well, God's in control. This is how he wants my life to be. 
if their friends or family die early, oh, God took my friend early. God took my family early. No, 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 no. Sovereign Sovereignty does not mean that God is controlling the events of the world. It simply means that God's in charge. It simply means at the end of the day, we're going to be held accountable to God. At the end of the day, one day, we're going to stand before God. The Bible talks about there's a judgment seat of Christ and the white throne of judgment. If you're born again, you go before the judgment seat of Christ. If you're not, you go before the white throne of judgment. But we all, no matter who we are, God is going to hold us accountable. Simply, why did you live the way you live? Or how did you live the way you live? All of us, no matter who we are. And that it, that's what it means to be sovereign. Why is this message so important? It's important because when you understand God's sovereignty, we understand that God is sovereign, you have a little bit more respect for the Lord. Not only that, you will actually submit your life to the Lord. Now, this is actually good news. This is not bad news. God having full power, giving, have full authority, actually gives us hope. Could you imagine if God was not, if God did not have full power or authority, mankind would do what they, what they want to do. And they'll get away with anything they want to get away with. Could you imagine if you had no one to turn to for help? I was watching a movie the other day, and um, I think the movie was called, um, uh, it's a movie with Gerard Butler, where the, the end of the world was coming. And I was just watching it, and I said to myself, man, look at these people. They're, act, they're acting, of course, but they had no hope. Because the movie was based on, in order to be saved or in order to, to survive this, um, um, the end of, this end, of the, end of the world event, you were given a lottery. And if your number was chosen, then you can go on this, on this um, jet craft and fly to this cave. But if your number was not chosen, you had to sit and wait for the end of the world to happen. And you see the, in the movie, people are crying, they're in despair. And I said, man, could you imagine to live like that? Knowing that you're about to die and you have no hope. You have no one to pray to. You have no one to look to. You have nowhere to turn, nowhere to hide, nowhere to go. But God being sovereign gives us hope, being that he's in control. Now, sovereign, to help you also understand sovereign, I want to talk to you about the four omnis. The four omnis is, is that the, this is, these are the four omnis. Or some say, they, some say there's three, but it's really four. God is omnipresent, God, and that means that God is everywhere all the time. God is omniscient. That means that God knows all things. God is omnipotent. That means that God is all-powerful. And the last one is God is omnibenevolent. That means that God is all love. So that word sovereign helps us understand that God is all in all. And without God, there is none. I love what the book of Colossians says. The book of Colossians helps us to understand this script, help us understand God's sovereignty. And it reads in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And, 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 he, he, and he is before all things, and him, and him all things consist. One thing that God is not, once again, he is not in full control. He just, as the scripture states, all things were created through him, and by him all things consist. But we, we have been given free will to do as we please, to do as we choose. Now, in the Bible, there's a few stories that I like to look at to help us understand God's sovereignty. But before I go there, I want to read one more scripture to you, Isaiah 46, verse 9 to 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my purpose. For all my pleasure. And the, the life of David, or the, the, the story of David and King Saul, 
King David and King Saul helps us understand the sovereignty of God and how master, how God's really a master chess player in all this. As you know, King Saul of the tribe of Benjamin was chosen to be the king of Israel, to lead the nation of Israel. This means that King Saul, his sons, his son's sons will be the royal lineage of Israel going forward during that time when they asked for a king in the days of Samuel. And because of Samuel, because of, of Saul, King Saul's error, he made a he he, um, he disobeyed God. So because he disobeyed God, not once, but twice, and these were these things that he did were really bad. He made he, he sacrificed when he should not have made a sacrifice, when it wasn't his responsibility to do that. The second thing is that God sent him on an assignment to go out and 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 um and um destroy this this um this nation that um, God had a, a judgment against, and King Saul did not do it the way God told him to do it. So Bible, so the, the Lord says, I'm taking the kingdom from you, and I'm giving it to your neighbor. Now here comes King, here comes David, comes into the story. And the Bible says that Samuel, the same one who anointed King Saul, is now going to anoint King David, or David. And David gets anointed by Samuel, saying that you're going to be the next king of Israel. Now, naturally speaking, that is impossible. Why? Because once, a, um, if I become a king, it is only right that my, aunt, my, that my descendants become kings as well. The only way that can change is there's a coup or my land is invaded. You can't just come, if you, we live in the same country, you can't just come and, and, and be king. It's not, it's not a democracy. You cannot be voted in. But yet God says, I'm gonna remove Saul and I'm gonna put David in place. And then God, who is so masterful, I love this, after he anointed King David to be the next king, the Bible said that God sent Saul a distressing spirit, a spirit to trouble him, a spirit to make him restless. And his servants came to him and said, listen, you got a distressing spirit from the Lord? Let us find someone who can play an instrument for you so that they can cast this distressing spirit for you. And Saul said, find him. And he said, I know a man. And his name is David. He's a young man. He's good looking. He's a man of war from youth. He'll be great for you. And they brought David in, King David. And King David begins to play the instrument for Saul. The distressing spirit goes, and now Saul is set free. But here's the amazing thing. King Saul did not know that King David had been chosen to be king. Only Samuel and David's family knew. And David knew, but King Saul did not know that the very person that I have chosen to perform before me, the very person that I have chosen to sing before me, to play an instrument before me, he's the one that's going to replace me. But only God knew that because once again, God is in charge. If God wants to set someone up and set another one down, he can do that. If God wants to promote and God wants to bring down, he can do that. This is why it's of, so, this is why it's of importance for us to submit and yield to the will of God. Friends and family, we make the mistake when we go against God. Every time we fight against God doing things our way, or every time we fight against God in disobedience, we are tying the sovereign hands of God. We are preventing God from working. Jesus said something so powerful in the book of Matthew. And there was a time when Jesus came and he said that he could not do many works there because there was unbelief. They tied Jesus' sovereign hands from working. Jesus had the power to come on earth, to cast out demons, to cast out sicknesses, to make um, 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 hands that were paralyzed to come out, to cause the lame to walk, to cause blind eyes to open. And he had that same power today, but because of unbelief, they prevented him. In the same way, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 13, verse 34, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who killed the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. 
how often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her broad under her wing, but you were not willing. So every time when God wants to do something for us, when the Lord wants to promote us, he wants to help us, he wants to bring us into a new season, every time we're unbelieving or we're disobedient, we tie God's sovereign hands. And if you wanna see God's sovereignty really become impactful in your life, you wanna see God show up in ways that's amazing, we're gonna have to submit, yield, and obey him. Many of you are due for promotions. Many of you are due to be wealthy now. Some of you are even late into your season due to uh, 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 due to being unwilling. Many of you, God is ready to do something great for you, but the more you fight, the more you resist, the more you keep yourself from following the Lord, the more you stop him from moving in your life. And just imagine uh, uh, with King David, uh, as the story goes, eventually he becomes the king, King Saul dies and King David becomes king. But just imagine King David would have said, you know what, Lord, I hear you're calling to be king, but I don't believe that. Or I hear you calling to become, I hear you want, to, you want me to become king, but I want to stay in my father's house. I want to help my father raise the sheep. I don't want to do that. That's a huge responsibility. Find somebody else. He would have missed out on a huge opportunity. Like some of us today, we miss out on huge opportunities. For many, for many years, I remember the, um, uh, uh, my, my story is that I got into real estate some time ago and I made a mistake and I didn't do it correctly. I did some things that were illegal and I got in trouble for it. But when I, after I got in trouble, I said to myself, I will never get into real estate again. I'm not going to do it again. I was so turned off by the decisions that I made, by the mistakes that I made. But yet the Lord was always stirring me. People were always talking to me, but I kept rejecting it. I kept rejecting it. Friends and family, don't reject that I rejected. Now, I finally got back into it, and I finally made some money from it. Praise God. I finally took heed and obeyed God. But I want to encourage you not to obey the Lord, not to, not to disobey the Lord. I want to encourage you, stop fighting. Many of you, you're in relationships. God wants you to have a glorious relationship that leads to marriage. But if you're having sex before marriage, you're stopping God from blessing your, your relationship in such a way. Yeah, I know this may hit home and this may not be something you want to hear, but I'm telling you the good news is when you submit to God's sovereignty, when you submit to God's hand, God is going to bless you in a major way. Another story comes from the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, um, which is amazing, the actual theme of the book of Daniel is that God is sovereign. But Daniel was of the tribe of Judah. He was also a person of royal lineage. And one day, God judged um, 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 Jerusalem, Israel, and God said, your judgment is this. You are going to be invaded and you're going to be taken away as slaves into, into, into Babylon. And you're going to serve the, 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 the Babylonian king. And, and, and the book of Daniel starts just as that. Daniel is now a slave. He's now been, him and his three friends have been chosen to, to serve the king, to, to learn the language of the king, to learn, how to, uh, to learn um, royal behavior of the king, to eat the king's food and to drink the king's wine. Daniel is a slave. God sovereignly said, that's it, I'm done with Israel, and now Daniel's in this land that's unknown to him. And the Bible says that Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. So what, Dan, what the Bible is saying in Daniel chapter one, verse eight, is saying this. It's, in fact, let me read it to you instead of quoting it to you, just to help you get this, what happened with Daniel. Okay, and Daniel 1.8, it, 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 it starts like this. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself 
with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. He had to make a request once again because he was a slave. But he made a request based off of his commitment that he had with the Lord. And because of that, the Bible says now God had, in verse 9, now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables and, and to eat and water to drink. And the Bible said that, that that eunuch actually gave heed because of the favor that God had given um, Daniel, he gave heed to Daniel's request. And the Bible said that the end result was that these young men, these Daniel and his three friends, they actually came out looking better. Their flesh appeared better. They looked brighter. Their skin was glowing. It looked like they just went through some type of um, skin ritual. They really looked good. And that's what the Bible says. But what happened was this is that though they were submitted to a pagan king to a, in a foreign land, God sovereignly helped them out because they were submitted actually to the Lord. And I want to encourage you that whenever you submit to God, God will help you. When you submit to God's will, plan and purpose for your life, God will help you. God will fight for you. God will be there for you. Daniel, once again, was a slave, and he had to make a request to change his diet. God gave him favor. He wanted to change his diet because he did not want to defile himself. He did not want to go against what God had told him to do about his diet. He did not want to eat food that was dedicated to, to idols. He wanted to do the right thing. I want to encourage you to do the right thing because when you do it, the Lord will bless you. When you walk in righteousness, when you walk in holiness, when you walk in purity, sovereign God will help you. Sovereign God will promote you. If you look at the Bible very carefully, the lives of Abraham, the lives of Joseph, the lives of, of, of Daniel, the lives of King David, as I mentioned, Jesus, all these men, God sovereignly helped, God sovereignly blessed. Why? Because they were men of righteousness. Yes, he's a God of mercy. There are times where God's mercy came in, but these men went through promotion. They, they accelerated. They went through wealth. They had riches because they decided to submit and yield to God's sovereignty. And friends and family, we are now in a season where it's time to submit. It's time to stop doing things our way. It's time for us to do what God has commanded us to do. Amen? And if you may be having trouble, ask God to help you. I want to close with this story. Um, for many years, my wife and I, my family and I, um, uh, we decided to move some time ago. And I said to my wife, let's seek the Lord to find out what neighborhood we should move to. And I felt the neighborhood we should move to was Brooklyn. My wife at first was like, oh, I can't be Brooklyn. I want Long Island, you know. But um, she prayed and she felt the same thing. Actually, asked two, actually um, after the Lord spoke to me, I actually asked um, a good friend of mine and somebody else to um, pray for me and ask the Lord what they sensed. And they actually sensed the same thing for me. It was amazing. And it was confirmed. So for some time now, we were trying to figure out how we're going to get into Brooklyn with the rent going up the way it's going up. Brooklyn is very expensive. So what happened was this. <laughs> we decided to apply for affordable housing. At the time, the city made, gave an opportunity for those saying, listen, no matter what your income is, we're going to charge you, we're going to charge your rent based on that income. 
and that's really a blessing. So you can make eighty thousand. That's uh, based on your, that amount. You're gonna pay this amount in rent. You make a hundred thousand. You're gonna pay this amount in rent. You make twenty five thousand. You're gonna pay this amount in rent. Whatever your income is, you'll pay that amount. You'll pay that. You'll pay that. We'll we'll do a calculation, and that and from that amount, we'll base we'll, we'll base that uh, your rent off that uh, um, off that salary. So we applied for many apartments. Williamsburg, of course. Um, Bedford Stuyvesant. No Brownville, no East New York, no, no shots, no shots thrown. I love those neighborhoods, but just not. I'm not looking for those type of neighborhoods. But um, we applied for um, Dumbo, all types of neighborhoods. But and every time we got close to it, we kept getting. We, we were put on the wait list. Eventually, we say, you know what? Let's just apply for everything and see what happens. And we finally got called for an apartment in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. It was like Greenpoint. You know, we didn't know much about Greenpoint at the time, but it was cool. So we checked it out, and when we looked at the neighborhood. One, um, that apartment building, there was only one apartment available for affordable housing. And there was over 50,000 that applied for it, but yet we were selected. That's number one. Number two, um, the neighborhood offered everything wherein we didn't have to drive. We can walk to schools. We can walk to the YMCA. I can walk to the gym. We walk to the pool. My mother can take the bus from my house to my, and it'll, it'll drop her a block away from my house. Um, the, the, the highway right there, the highway to Queens is right there. The bridge is right there to the city. We are literally um, situated perfectly. And the Lord did that for us. So eventually we, we went up, we went and we um, submitted the paperwork and they accepted us. So now we're living in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, and it's been great since we've been there. Woo! But then we got called for the, one of the apartments we went in in Williamsburg just several um, weeks ago. From today, just several weeks ago, they called and I said, Let me, let's go check it out. We check it out. The apartment is new. Um, um, it has climate control um, thermostats. It has uh, a laundry room in the building, playroom, uh, meeting room where you can sit down and meet with people, a movie room. This building has a whole all these anemones. I said, babe, let's take it. She said, honey, I don't know. The funny thing is that when we went to the building and see it, we were cool, we were excited. But when we got back to Greenpoint, we felt this ease. We said, this is home. But in addition to that, one of the things that happened at Greenpoint is that till this day, Every time we do laundry, 80% of the time, our laundry is paid for. I don't want to say who, <laughs> but our laundry is paid. Not by anybody, nobody from Winners Church, somebody in the neighborhood always pays for our laundry. They give us free food. They bless our children. They help us, whatever thing, we, they, they help us in regards to doing our laundry. It's amazing how well they treat us in a Polish neighborhood who are also not known to be too friendly towards black people. But yet this woman says, I know how my people are, but I like you guys. The favor of God is with us. Why? Because we submitted to God's sovereign will for, for our lives. I want to encourage you to submit to God's sovereign will. Stop doing things your way. Stop fighting against God. Stop going against the grain. You say, Pastor Patrick, I prayed. How do I know if he's speaking to me? Well, one, ask him. If you don't hear anything, make a decision. As you make a decision, if you feel peace about it, then it's good to go. If you feel uneasy, if you feel sick about it, if your stomach is twirling on the inside, hey, something's not right about it. Don't go that way. But this is a day and time we submit to the Lord our God. Amen. And if you're watching today and you're not born again, now is your time to get born again. Now is your time to give your life to Jesus. Now is your time to give your life to Christ. Now is not the time to be fighting against the Lord. Jesus loves you so much. He died for your sins. He cares about you. He wants the best for you. He has so much in store for you, but he, he can only do that when you're in him. He can only do that when you put your trust in him. So if you're not born again today, now is the time to give your life to Christ. And I want to say a prayer, and I want you to repeat after me. And we're going to start by this. You can bow your head, and you can put your hand on your heart, and you can say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. 
Thank you for wiping my sins away. Lord, I'm ready for a change. Lord, I'm ready for something new. Lord, I want my life to be different. Lord, I want to experience your blessings and your love. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you died for me, and I accept you as Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Friend and family, if you prayed that simple prayer, you are now born again. You are now saved. You are now clean. You are now pure. You are now holy. You now, now, you now have a new heart. The sins have been wiped away. Your sins are no longer remembered before the Lord. That's right. You are now brand new. You are now born again. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, please let us know. There's a, there's a number at the bottom of the screen. You can text us at that number. You can also send us an email at info@winnerschurch.com, just so that we can keep in contact with you and now begin to help you walk this new walk in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. And listen, before we go, we got to take our offering. Listen, friends and family, don't cut it off. Stay here and submit to these words I want to tell you. Listen, you want to be blessed. You want to see financial prosperity. You, it, one of the ways that comes through, yes, it comes through wisdom. Yes, it comes through hard work. Yes, it comes through skill and doing, doing things. You know, you have to work hard. You have to be an investor. You have to have a business. But another way it comes is through, by, is through tithing and offering, especially supernatural increase, especially favor to increase, especially multiplication to increase, especially in times where there's a drought or there's a famine or, there's a, or the economy may be down. Friends and family, when you pay your tithe, when you pay your offerings, you enforce God's blessing to cover you and to protect you. But not only cover you and protect you, but it also takes you to the next level. And, and, and I want to encourage you to submit and yield to the Lord. If you've been given, good job. Keep up the good work. Now is your season to receive your harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. But if you have not been given, you've been struggling with this, stop playing games. Give. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord with your money. He is sovereign. He's in control. He's not some type of um, get rich, um, um, get um, rich quick scheme. No, he's the Lord that when you bless him, he's going to take your offerings and he's going to give it back to you. He's going to multiply it to you. But you have to trust the sovereign God in Jesus' mighty name. If you're ready to give, all that information is at the bottom of the screen. Whichever one you choose, whichever, whichever, whichever one you're comfortable with, please use that method of giving. And for those who have given today, Father, bless them, continue to prosper them, continue to take them to the next level, continue to increase them, continue to help them. Thank you, Jesus, that you have rebuked the devourer for their sake. Thank you, Jesus, that, um, that during these times, you're going to lead them to greater financial opportunities, greater financial increase. In Jesus' mighty name, we, we pray. Amen. When is church? I'm happy to be here. I'm coming back next week. Make sure you're here. I got another word for you. And make sure you come September 19th. Amen. God bless you. And we'll see you next week. Take care.